You're listening to Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar. In the blue corner, we've got Mr. Carl supporting Tottenham. In the red corner, we've got Mr. Kenner's supporting Arsenal. Together, they will be discussing all of your football views, all of your football news. So join us here on Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar. Hello and welcome to another episode of Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar, the football podcast sponsored by Stuart Hill Exclusive Wines and Taxi Point. I'm Chris Carl. I'm joined by Jeff Saunders. Good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Chris. It's good to uh, be here. It is indeed. Now, we've got a lot of things to talk about since we last met. Of course, the football season is underway, including La Liga. So let's start with La Liga because mm. some very strange things happening at Real Madrid. Indeed, there are. It, it looks very odd from outside. Yeah, yeah I mean, first of all, We've had the Gareth Bale saga where Zidane, Zinedine Zidane said that Gareth Bale was not part of his plans. He's now saying he's going to stay. Now, it all depends how you interpret things, of course, but I'm going to quote it, what he said. Uh, he said he's going to stay, and we all have to think of that as a positive thing. That doesn't sound very positive to me. Well, no, it's kind of like the, the teacher <laughs> sort of telling off the class, isn't it? This well, is this yeah. is for your own good. He's just the, just the way he says things. And he said, you know, of course, Hazard is injured, so we, Gareth Bale is going to play. And he said, Gareth and everybody else here has to show this shirt the respect it deserves. It's kind of like saying that Gareth Bale's been, going back to your analogy of uh, teachers, Gareth Bale's been a naughty boy. Well, yeah, except that uh, it is a fact that he hasn't been a naughty boy. He hasn't said a single word in this in this whole transfer saga. Not one word. He has been completely professional throughout. It's very odd in the in the sense, as you say, that in a lot of people going all oh, greedy, Gareth, and all that. You can't blame him for sitting around. He he was prepared to go to China, obviously, you know, for the culture. For the culture, yeah. For the culture. Yeah. Prepared to go to China. It wasn't him sitting around saying, I'm not leaving, keep paying me. He was prepared to leave. Well, no, and th- there's not been a situation where he's he said, oh, I you know, I don't like Real Madrid, I want to move or, you know, I want to improve something or other. It's all been Real Madrid trying to get rid of him, and he's he's kept quiet. He's done what they wanted. He he said yes to this deal that came along. It's not his fault it fell apart. No, not at all. You know, let's be fair. He, he played uh, on uh, the weekend and uh, set up Karim Benzema's goal, opening goal in a three-one victory at Celta Vigo. What more do you want? Doing his job when he's asked to do it. Well, exactly, and and that that's the you know that's the most absurd thing behind this this whole debacle, really. That he's a superb player. And you look at what he's done for Real Madrid, the goals he's scored, the important goals he's scored, winning the Champions League twice, almost on his own. Yeah. And and yet Zidane just seems to hate him. Yeah, do you think there's something going on behind the scenes at Real Madrid that well, obviously there, we don't know about? There must be. There has to be, yeah. I, I get the feeling that, I mean, I said it at the time, you know, I think it was probably a mistake for Zidane to go back, having had a successful spell there. He didn't leave under a storm particularly. No. You know, you should never swim up the same river twice, or whatever the expression is, but it kind of feels like... He should have just left it. Well, yeah, but but maybe maybe his ego couldn't take it. Maybe he expected clubs to come running to him and nobody did. I don't know. It, it, it's, it was a very strange thing, him going back. It clearly isn't working. We're not behind the scenes. We don't know what's happening there, but something clearly is. How do you buy a player like Jovic, who is one of the, you know, one of the best centre-forwards in Europe and, and you know, one of the top, three or four rated strikers in Europe pay 62 million for him then you don't play him and now they're trying to get rid of him yeah he's been there 
hardly any. I mean, you know, he hasn't even had time to unpack. Well, he hasn't had time to fail, has he? No. So, <laughs> and yet they still want to get rid of him. No, it's very something very odd going on at Real Madrid. Uh, we shall see what happens. Now, before we move on, you've got a quiz question for us, as always. Right, yes. Trivia question. London is unique. In terms of European football, London is unique for one reason. What is it? All right, there you are. That is your quiz question. I've got to say, so I'm not going to name names, but I did see one of the football pundits uh, on the TV the other day um, saying that it's one of a kind and it's unique. Both uh, of those things. Both of those things. At yeah. the same time, wow. Both at the same time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But London is unique and one of a kind and very special. Uh, and there's yeah. a special reason in Europe. There is a, and, it, and it's to do with football and to do with cities. There you go. The bit of a clue there. We'll give you the answer at the end of the uh, podcast. Now, let's move on to what happened over the weekend. Uh, mm. VAR controversy, or at least that's the way people are spinning it. Tottenham came away again with a very controversial draw at Manchester City. Yeah. First of all, the score was 2-2. Tottenham had two shots and scored both. Actually, no, they had three shots. Three shots, sorry. Two on target. Two, yeah. on, two on target, both of which they scored, and one yeah. off target. Manchester City had 30 shot on and, and off target and about 20 on target and, yeah. twi- and yet it was a two all draw uh, in no small thanks to uh, VAR or, or the new rules about it, uh, about handball well firstly we, we've got to kill this VAR thing it has got nothing to do with VAR all, all VAR does is allow officials to look again at something what's changed was the law they have yep. changed the handball. We discussed it in the last last podcast, if you remember. And this situation was exactly the change that they brought in on, was it June the 1st? So nobody associated with football should be surprised about this. Nobody, like Guardiola, should be saying, oh, there's no consistency because Laurenti's, Laurenti's goal for Tottenham was allowed and this was disallowed. Well, yeah. The law changed in between. Uh, exactly in between, yeah. And those, you know, those those supporters we saw from Manchester City who were all claiming they'd been robbed just simply do not know the law. No, I mean the law. The law is, you know, it was changed on the first of uh, June, as you say. The VIR decision was c- uh, correct because the goal yeah. was created as a result of handball. It was accidental handball, but that's what the law now says, accidental or otherwise. If it results in a goal. Yes. A goal cannot result from an accidental handball. No. Yep. Ac- uh, the accidental handball anywhere else that doesn't re- cause a goal is allowable, as the law actually states, uh, as yes. it's written down. I, I don't see where, the, where there is any controversy. I don't understand why anyone is making a fuss about yeah, this. I mean, every girl, oh, you know, VAR needs some work. Even if we didn't have VAR had the referee spotted it, I suppose. But even if we didn't have VAR, that was still a disallowable goal. Yes, doesn't indeed. matter whether you, how you look at it, how you spin it, it was a correct decision, yeah. with or without VAR. It Abs- wasn't a goal. Exactly. End uh, of story. There is, you know, there is one thing which they really have to do with VAR, though. If, if you like, cricket and rugby have had VAR for, for well, 15 years or more. And the way they operate it is very, very different. Everybody in the crowd gets to see the decision being made. It's up on the screen. You see it. You hear the conversation between the on, on-field official and off-field. So everybody knows why the decision was made. And that's perfect. Nobody could want, could want more than that. So you really have to ask yourself the question, why do the football authorities not allow it? All it does say is VAR decision and then it's yeah. just a blank screen. It, I mean, yeah. what's the point? 
they had they had one of the um, I think Premier League officials yesterday saying, "Oh well, we we don't do that because the crowd will put too much pressure on the referee," which is absolute garbage, yeah. because that that hasn't happened in rugby at all ever. It hasn't happened in cricket. What does happen is the exact opposite of that. Everyone in the crowd gets to see why the decision was made. They they don't have to like it afterwards, but no. we all know, and it's all open. And things like this should be open and above board so everyone can see it. So you must ask, why do the Premier League football authorities not want this to be made public? Yes, it's very strange because they've brought in VAR. Every single Premier uh, League ground has the capability and facility. Mm. Strangely, for some reason, Arsenal and Manchester United are the only two teams that don't have those big screens. Not sure why that is, I don't know. The other 18 grounds do have the big screens, mm. which means that they could show the replay. The people in London are looking at the replay. Yeah. I believe all the VIR studios are in London or something. They are, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, not even, they're not even in the ground. No. But it doesn't matter because they're watching it on a screen, obviously, on a replay. Mm. If they can watch it, surely it can be beamed live to the players, course, you know, to, yeah. to the fans. This is, this is what we're talking about, that tackle there or whatever it was. Yes, exactly, yeah. Do you think the uh, authorities are trying to hide something? or Oh, absolutely. I, I, VAR I something? really do think it's, it's one of their ways to manipulate games. Yeah, no question. If they want to manipulate games, it's very strange that, uh, I mean, obviously you can't, you can't say that that Tottenham decision was anything but correct. No, it was, it was quite correct. No question at all. Yeah. But look at the World Cup final, that penalty that was given. There's yeah. no way, according to the rules of football, that that was a penalty. Yeah. And you could see the referee look at it, say, no, my view was correct. I'd be called back. And it happened three times yeah. uh, until he was bullied into giving a penalty that he did not believe was a penalty. Yeah. Think of the, the Manchester United Paris Saint-Germain penalty where a player has jumped with his back to the ball and the referee's given handball. How on earth, how can it be deliberate ball to hand when you're not even looking at it but if that's part of the manipulation and why why would the powers that be prefer uh, Manchester United to progress than Paris Saint-Germain who've got all those star players and money because what, what's the shady side of it well because Manchester United deliver a bigger TV revenue right okay, that's a simple answer no, really. it's, I mean, that's, it, that's the, it yeah not about the fact that PSG have got name right? it's the fact that oh. Man United are a, a worldwide brand I suppose yeah. PSG just aren't that well known in let's say Malaysia you're not going to get a big audience that's right and in the World Cup Croatia winning the World Cup oh no oh, that would be that? terrible oh god yeah. that would be awful yeah. so they've got to manipulate it yeah. so that a well known I mean obviously France is going to be a huge draw in a World Cup final hmm. um, so yeah manipulation just um, to ma manipulate the figures and oh, get the absolutely. money absolutely I don't, I don't think there's any question of it if, if it was above board and open then they'd show it wouldn't they well, we, we could all see what, what the decision was why it was made and you can like it or not like it, but we all know. Talking of penalties, Jeff, uh, another controversial moment on Monday night when Manchester United were away at Wolverhampton Wanderers. It was a one-all draw, and I actually thought, if beginning of the season, start of the season, you'd have thought United would have taken that because they're a good team walls. But Man United missed a penalty or had a penalty saved, and there was some con controversy about that penalty. There has been a, a good deal of, of comment afterwards, but I, I don't understand where there is any controversy. Two players on the pitch sorted it out between them who was going to take it. One of them took it and he missed. If Rui Patricio had dived to his left mm. and Pogba scores, will, would we still be reading about this controversy? No, I mean, if, no. if it was actually a controversy, then the answer to that question is yes. Him missing or scoring a penalty makes no difference to it. But there was no controversy. Two, two teammates had a chat. Rashford gave, gave Pogba the ball, patted him on the chest. They, they were happy. So why is anyone else worried? And this nonsense about 
some some of these people writing that it says something about Solskjaer. It's just it's ridiculous. They must be desperate if they're trying to yeah, come up with something a, a, like a, that. A lot of TV and radio and pundits, ex-footballers, have been saying that they see it as weak management on Solskjaer's part. After the game, he said, you know, we've got two designated penalty takers. It's Rashford and it's Pogba. It's up to them to make a decision on the pitch. Who's up for it? And of course, you know, it depends on the moment. How are you feeling, you know, if you're, you're a generalist pump and all, you desperately want to take it. Pogba and Rashford had a rational conversation and decided that Pogba would take it. Yeah. Solskjaer said, that's fine. There's the two of them. I mean, you can't have one designated penalty taker. What if he's not on the pitch? So you've got to have two anyway. Well, exactly. So, so, they, so they have the two designated penalty takers, which these experts say they should have. Um, Rashford had missed a free kick quite badly. And between the two of them, they... They said, no, no, Pogba takes a penalty. I really do not understand where there is any controversy. or And, and certainly, I, I, I cannot for the life of me understand how Solskjaer can be involved in this anyway. No, it's a, it's a row that's still rumbling on days later. Well, I think it's just, it's it's just people, people desperate to keep their names in the news, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it was, of course. United were back page stories all the time because of Mourinho. Mm. Now they're trying to keep the fire burning a little bit by trying to find something that's well, not there. I mean, like you said, if Pogba yeah. scored it... Nobody would have talked about it. If Rashford had had it saved, by the way, we'd have had the same controversy. Why are you letting... They would have spun it a different way. Why are you letting Rashford take it? He's only ever taken two penalties before in his life. Well, it's it's nonsense. And and even if Solskjaer was not responsible for saying, right, you, you two are the designated penalties. Even if Solskjaer had said the team sorted it out for themselves, I've got no problem with that. Every team I ever played for, we, we sorted out amongst ourselves. Our manager didn't know who was going to take a penalty. It doesn't matter. What matters is, do you score? Well, you say you say that, Jeff, but one of the, the criticisms from Chris Sutton, who was watching it, said he thinks it's weak management. Gary Neville on Sky Sports said uh, that it's not Tom Bowler. You shouldn't be taking risks uh, and letting the players decide. It's not an under-fives kickabout, and it's serious football. They should know who's going to take the penalty. But I think they did. It was one of those two. What's the big problem? Well, it's one of the two designated penalty takers from Manchester United took a penalty. I cannot, you know, please, somebody explain to me, where is the controversy? Yeah, they've made a story out of nothing. Absolutely. They've succeeded because here we are talking about it. So let's move on. Let's move on. Ex-West Ham player. Andy Carroll, of course, has gone back to Newcastle where he first kind of started out on his mm. major career. He's revealed, he's revealed that he did, when he signed for Liverpool, which was a big move from Newcastle, 35 million, a uh, lot of money in those days, a lot of money today. It was, it was a record then, wasn't it? Was it was a record. He didn't know who his future teammates were going to be at Liverpool. This is in the days of Carragher, Suarez, Gerrard. And he says, well, I knew who Gerrard was. The rest of them, I had to Google. Now, listen to this. He said he just didn't bother to watch football. When he was at Newcastle, he'd, have a, he'd wake up on a Saturday and ask the rest of his teammates who they were playing. He didn't watch football, didn't pay much attention to who other players were. So when he found out he was moving to Liverpool, as I say, he had to ask people. I mean, what do you make of that? that I think that's disgraceful. I'm, I'm not sure if it's disgraceful. It's extraordinary. Yeah. And, and, and firstly, if it's true... Well, he's saying this himself, but mm, he, you okay. know it could be just another. Well, it could be attention. sort of exaggeration to to get himself in the papers, maybe. No, I, I find it extraordinary. The the professional footballers that I I met, and there were a lot of them as I was growing up, they were talking football all the time. You watch footballers, you know, you did get clips of them on Instagram, mm. or whatever. They're forever playing FIFA football on yeah, their computers. Yeah. They're either at games, they're having a kick about in the back garden with their children. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that if you're on as he must have been thousands a week 
even back then at the £35 million striker for Liverpool. For Liverpool, playing with Suarez and Carragher and Gerrard, I'm pretty sure that your every waking moment is thinking how you're going to beat the defender and knowing who that defender is and knowing his stats, surely. To say you don't know who you're playing and, and what... That must mean he probably didn't even know where Newcastle were in the league when he was playing for them, unless you bothered to look it up by mistake. I think it's a load of nonsense. You think he's made it up? No, I, mean, I, I think, think so, yeah. come across as a little bit, um, somebody say, charmingly thick. He said he was happy at uh, Newcastle. He just about he was just about to sign a new deal, and it wasn't until he saw on Sky Sports News, so he did watch football a little bit, that he found out he was going to leave. Um, and he said, I, "This is what he said. He said, I was happy, and then I was gone. I just bought a house. I just got a cat. It was in the house, and I never went back to the house. I left in a helicopter, and my brother had to have the cat. Now, this is, you're talking about a thirty-five million pound deal move right. to oh, Liverpool. Okay, so." He he just bought a house. Why had he just bought a house? Well, he thought he was staying at Newcastle. He no, 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 no. You're missing my point. He was living at the time with Nolan and Nolan's family. Nolan, the, the midfielder and captain yes. of, of Newcastle at the time. So I am quite sure they talk football a lot. I think this is a load of ah, nonsense. Here it's complete Sherlock rubbish. It, yeah. you've, you've worked it out. Yeah. Uh, if he was living with another footballer, yeah. what are they? They're not going to be talking about Byzantine art, are they? Or something? Well, it's, it's unlikely. But, it's unlikely. But possible. The, the, the conversation may have drifted to football once in a while. You yeah. would think so. Yeah. So, yes, Andy Carroll talking nonsense. But uh, he obviously wants to shake off his reputation for being injury prone. He made 84 league start, starts for West Ham. Really? That many? Seven years. That many? Wow. That many. I'm, I'm amazed it's that many. That's what's that, about 12, 12, 12 a season. 12 yeah. a year. 12, 12 a season, whichever way you want to look at it, I suppose. Yeah. I, I'm amazed it's that many. Yeah. yeah. So that that is Andy Carroll uh, probably em embellishing some stories about himself there. Yeah. Uh, to, I don't know, to make himself look interesting or I don't know what, what the reason is. No, but he succeeded in making himself look stupid. Yeah, well, yeah, that, yeah. I don't think he had to, to make that much of an effort, really. But we no. wish him all the best at Newcastle. No, I, I wish him all the best. I, I think I thought he was a great centre forward, and if it hadn't been for those injuries, he would have been wonderful for for West Ham and well, actually for Liverpool, West Ham and England. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, and he, he was, has been injury prone, and he was chronically badly used at Liverpool. They tried to turn him into a sort of Didier Drogba type ball holding striker, and he was never that. He was much more of an Ian Rush style striker, where he receives the ball, lays it off quickly and keeps the pace of the game up. He was fantastic when he was fit. He just had, didn't have the, I guess, you know, like so many... So many I mean, strikers are more injury-prone than most, I suppose. Well, they get kicked more than most. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's taken a kick to the head once too often as well. We can move on now because we want to, I want to talk a little bit about Kronkaer at Arsenal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving, yeah. Um, you know, when, you, when you're short of comedy material, just, uh, yeah. just look up Arsenal on Google and you'll get what you need. So we'll have a little look at what he's been saying because obviously he's had uh, a little bit of a... Uh, well, they have had the Cronkers have had a run in with the fans over the, the their, their tenure there. Yeah. Um, now, Josh Cronker, who is the director and the son of the owner Stan, said the club's ownership. This is, sounds like more of a threat than a promise to me. But he says that they are going to be in place for a long time, despite protests from Gunners fans. The billionaire's father, Stan, has been the main focus of dissent from the Arsenal fans. He said the ownership aren't going anywhere, and the fans, this is his words, the fans need to get used to that. They need to understand who we are and what we're trying to accomplish. 
We are personalities as people. At the end of the day, we are fans and we want to win and make it our job easier if they understand that. Do you believe him? Um, I, I do not believe him, no. <laughs> um, I, I think he did say something which is, which is very relevant and Arsenal fans, in fact, the fans of every fo- football club uh, should bear in mind, you have to understand what they want to do. They are the owners. They own what we think of as a club. It's a limited company. They own it, and its purpose is to make money for them. That's what Arsenal fans need to understand. Yeah, Yeah, so reality check. Yeah. I mean, although he said, and I'm going to quote him again, it's important for them, the fans, to know know how passionate we are. When I met some of the fans group last season... I told them trust. He he instructed them. He he lectured them. He explained to them that trust is earned over time, which I think was what they were trying to point out to him. But anyway, he said trust is earned over time. I'd love for you to trust me now, but unfortunately, trust has to play out over the next several years. That does sound like dark times ahead. (laughs) (laughs) And it does sound like a threat, doesn't it? It it really does sound like a threat. We're not going anywhere. You're not going to budge us. So Arsenal fans, the Kroenke reign will continue, I think. He's he's certainly made that clear. Although, although, Jeff, it just occurred to me, when they say we're going to be here for the long haul, generally that means they'll be out the door very, very shortly. Like when a manager gets... Oh, yeah, the vote of confidence. The vote of confidence from the board. It means he's going to be sacked in the morning. Well, exactly. So possibly... You know, the Kronker thing, they might be aiming for some sort of stability there in order to sell it. Who knows? But Well, yeah, I mean, t- to be to be fair to the Kronkies, they brought in Edu as the uh, director of football. He has a great record in, in that position in Brazil. So I think he's entitled to say to the fans, OK, look, look give us time, see what, see what the guy can do. They had a decent transfer window in the end, and he's making a lot of noises about we're going to spend a lot of money in in January and we're, we're working towards that already. Well, they damn well should be because it's well, their yeah. job. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, bringing in Edu, I think he's, you know, if, if they can work to a plan to address the areas in the, in the team that everyone has been pointing at for the last 10 years, then good for them. But they will be there to make a profit. When he said we're very passionate, he probably meant about money, not about winning. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's simple arithmetic. The price, the cost of winning the Premier League is prohibitive for most most clubs. Anybody currently outside the top six cannot expect to win the Premier League. You've got to put together an £800 million squad. Squad. Right. I mean, not just your best 11 players, but you've got to be in a position of a Manchester City or a Liverpool where players are out injured, you slot in the replacement, nobody notices the difference. Yeah. I mean, was it Mourinho said the other week that the only other team that could, could possibly win the the league apart from Manchester City is Manchester City B team. I, I, I think he's right, yeah. You know, which, I mean, you, you know, when you look at the, the substitutes they've got to bring on, uh, you'd love to have them at Tottenham, but right. they're too good for Tottenham. Or you look, yeah, exactly. You look at that team that opened the season and, and think who wasn't in that team, who was not playing. Yeah, it's, it's remarkable. It's fantastic. Yeah. Well, let's look at you know the top six getting into Europe and Arsenal's perennial aim of getting into the top four, the top mm. four trophy or whatever. That doesn't guarantee Euro- European football if the powers of B have their way. This new Champions League format that's due to yeah. come in in 2024. Well, can you explain it? Because we were talking about it before. It's based on not where you finished in the league last season, but based on your history over time. It, it appears so, like, to Tottenham be. Tottenham and Man City may not be in the Champions League come 2024. Yeah, the, the, the 24 player teams will be chosen based on history, performance in the Champions League, and let's, let's be honest, TV revenue that they're going to bring. Ah. And then the, there are 
eight more places available in that because it's going to be a 32-team competition. Four of those places will go to the semi-finalists in the previous season's Europa League. Mm-hmm. So they, by definition, will not be the best next four best teams in Europe. And there will be four four places up for grabs for who? Anyway, if I haven't said who those four places will go to. They're not even te- they're not letting on. No. But the point here is that when you say it's based on European performance or Champions League performance, yeah. it doesn't mean last season. It means forever. No, no. Oh, yeah. It's so Manchester United, shoe in. Shoe in. Liverpool, shoe in. Yeah. Arsenal, not, mm, not so probably much. Probably not. No. Tottenham and City, forget mm, about it. Yeah. Um. So you look, it's, it's going to be... The, it's the it's, teams that make the money. It's going to be the teams that will deliver the biggest TV audience. And it's a way of getting rid of the, the, the shiny new teams like Tottenham that have oh, you know, these pretenders that are thrown. Yeah. I mean, Chelsea might have a little chance, even yeah. though yeah. they've they haven't been in you know Champions League for the last two two years or whatever. They will all, almost automatically qualify because they've they've been in it so often. Well, that's like right. Manchester United or, or yeah. Well, or, I mean, if you expensive. if you want to know the the nonsense about the UEFA, just look. Uh, the qualifying competitions for the Champions League currently going on. The qualifying competition. They've got one of last season's semi-finalists in the qualifying competition. How ridiculous is that? Ajax are in the qualifying competition because six years ago, in a match against an Italian team, I can't mm. remember which one, maybe in Lazio, they missed a penalty. If they'd scored that penalty, they would have then gone into a semi-final. That would have pushed their, their UEFA quotient that bit higher. They would not be in the qualifying competition now, six years later. This is just, it's all essentially a fraud. And so, it's going to get so worse. So UEFA can pick the teams that will deliver the biggest TV revenue. Why the biggest TV revenue, uh, t- TV audience? Because of the advertising revenue. When when you do a deal for advertising with a TV company, they promise a certain audience. So if I pay you a million pounds for a 30-second slot in the Champions League semi-final, you will promise me an audience of 500 million people. Right. If it's 400 million people, I will get that that spot free. It's big, big money we're talking about here, all based on TV audiences. So basically, you don't want Ajax in there, as you say, because exactly. they're not Manchester United, they're not Real Madrid, they're not a big draw. Exactly. So Ajax got penalised for missing a penalty, just to go about what you were Six saying, years Six years ago. ago, despite two months ago, Yes. Or whatever, three months ago, they were semi-finalists. Yep. That doesn't count as much as a missed nope. penalty six years ago. Nope. And it's going to get worse in the Champions League in 2024. So no basically, it's instead of being growing, because it's called Champions League, but I mean, you know, you finish fourth in the league, you're still in it. Instead of growing and, and being all-encompassing, it's actually narrowing down and becoming more elite. And just it, not elite, not as in winners, but as in money. As in name, money. Yeah. Brand. Yes. Now, international branding. All right, well, nevertheless, we have got football coming up this weekend. We are going to predict, Jeff and I, Saturday and Sunday's games, because this will be released just before that. So let's look ahead to the games this weekend. The early game on Saturday, this coming Saturday, just in a couple of days' time, Norwich City against Chelsea. Now, Norwich, they beat Mm. Newcastle. 3-1 late goal from Newcastle. Incredible start to the season. Uh, Their striker has now scored four goals already in two games. He got a hat-trick on Saturday. Got a hat-trick, yeah. He's up there with with Sterling as top scorer of the league Mm. so far. Norwich, though, uh, up against Chelsea, who surely have finally got to win a game and improve. You think so, yeah. This is the one, isn't it? Yeah. Chelsea to win. All right, I'm going to go Norwich 1, Chelsea 3. 2-1 2-1 to Chelsea. 2-1. Yeah. All right. Then uh, we've got a sort of south coast battle. Brighton, who've had a reasonable start to the season against 
Southampton. That's very interesting because both the, both the coaches there are, are very impressive. I mean, Potter in particular, I think, at, at Brighton has been superb. The way he set his team up the, the, this, this last weekend was against West Ham was was superb. Right, they they looked the better the better team. And Hasenhutl setting Southampton up against it was it Liverpool they played. I think. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they lost two one. Yeah, but it was very close, and and they could easily have equalised at the end. Interesting one. Uh, I'll go with Brighton. Brighton to win All by right. one goal. By one goal, okay. You know, I was going to say that, but I'm going to go for a, a two-two draw. Okay, uh, just to be different. Manchester United against Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace without Zaha, potential relegation contenders. Almost, uh, they're, uh, they're well, very absolutely, poor. yeah, yeah. They're they're very poor and should be a very easy home win for Man United. Yeah, yeah I think that's an easy. That's pick a, a, two pick or a three number, nil, isn't it? Yeah, pick a number basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're going for. Let's say 3 0 yeah. Manchester United against Crystal Palace. And as you said <laughs> at the weekend on the radio show for 93.6 Global Radio that we do, Crystal Palace will be lucky to get nil. Indeed. Yes. Mm. Sheffield United, who've done well so far. They've looked very good, actually. Yeah. Um, but they looked very good last season as well. Well, yes. And, and Chris Wilder is one of the, 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 the coach there, is, is one of the most underrated coaches stroke managers in, in the league. And yeah. if he had a foreign name, he would be, everyone would be talking about him. Well, uh, they're up against Leicester City, who also have somebody with not a foreign name well, um, no, as manager. No, but who we know is a superb coach. Oh, he's, well, he, he well, will tell he, you. Because he told us, yeah. <laughs> yes, he so. told us. Uh, Sheffield United against Leicester City. Two good, good managers there. Yep. Two interesting teams. Leicester City you know, has kind of been tipped as one of the also-rans for sixth or seventh place, uh, as it yeah. were. You, you'd have to say Leicester City have got player for player across the pitch the better team, mm. the better players. So I, that should should get them the win. It should, although there That'd is be a interesting fantastic match. atmosphere at Bramall Lane, of course. Yeah. Be a very interesting match, though. Yeah. So what are we 3-2, Sheffield United, no, guys, two, for a game? 2-1. Two, 2-1 two, to Sheffield United. That is the prediction from this show, 2-1 to Sheffield United against Leicester. Uh, Watford against West Ham, your team, West Ham, Watford. Mm. Now, West Ham, of course, got off to a bad start, but yeah. they played City in the first game. What did anybody expect apart from you to lose by many goals? However, you've got one point on the board. You drew away Mm. at Brighton. Uh, An away draw is always a good result for a team, you know, mid-table team, if you like. Watford have had a bad start to the season. I think Watford will actually uh, win that. I think West Ham will win, but it'll be close. All right, it'll yeah. definitely be close. I think they're very yeah. two very close teams. Uh, the late game on Saturday is Liverpool against Arsenal. You'd, you'd have to say the attacking part of Liverpool's team should be too strong for the defence of Arsenal. Yeah, Arsenal's defence is still not not great, and they've they've added to the misery of their defence by getting David Luiz, of course. Well, well, I think I'm being actually I'm being a little being, bit unfair. You're to being him, very man. unfair to him. He's a very yeah. good player, actually. Talking of which, and his passing shot to Chelsea, I think quite I don't know tongue in cheek, but obviously Lampard. He said he had a very honest conversation mm. with Frank Lampard, Chelsea manager, who made it quite clear to him that he wasn't going to be part of his plans. And he said, "But I have ambitions. I want to win things. That's why I went to Arsenal, which is kind of a nice passing shot against Chelsea. Um, but probably a decent addition to the squad. Everybody takes a mick out of him. I don't think um, it's to the detriment of Arsenal. I think it's a decent signing. No, I, th- I think uh, I think he's a good season, uh, good signing. And people who accuse him of giving goals away have obviously not looked at the facts." Because in two seasons, him giving the ball away has resulted in a goal twice. Just twice, It yeah. is the best of any defender in Europe. 
Yeah, it's, it's amazing how uh, statistics yeah. <laughs> always shut opinions up. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's the same thing about Manchester City fouling people more than any other team to, to, to win possession. Uh, actually, they're about fourth in the table, statistically. Yeah. Uh, so, the, the, you know, like you say, statistically, David Luiz is not a bad defender. Yeah, but, but all these people talking about Manchester City doing this, well... You know, I remember Ian Rush it would always give away a, give away a, a cheap foul, a, a tug of the shirt or something outside the opponent's penalty area to stop the breakaway. Manchester United have been doing it for years. Yes, exactly. it's, this is not new. It's just a, the city of the new darlings yeah, to be exactly, accused yeah. of that. Sunday's games: Bournemouth against Manchester City. Bournemouth nil, Manchester City three. <laughs> yeah, again, or four, or four, yeah. or five, or five. Yeah, so Bournemouth. Sorry about that. Then my team, Tottenham Hotspur, take on a very poor Newcastle United. Let's hope it's not time for Newcastle to actually start winning. But how are they going to score? It'll be an own goal or something or penalty. No, I mean, Tottenham should... should, You'd have to say, Tottenham should score at least two goals. Can you see Newcastle scoring two goals in a match? No. No. All right, so So, Tottenham two or three, Newcastle zero or one. So Tottenham win. Uh, And also on Sunday, Wolverhampton Wanderers against Burnley. Another exciting game, I think. You got Burnley, yeah. not possibly not as good as Wolves, but definitely an interesting team to watch. So I think that'll be a close game, but I would favour what a Wolves for that one. I think I'd favour Wolves as well. Yeah, so we're going for a yeah. Wolverhampton close though. I think it'll be a close game. I mean, Deitch is a good coach. He's got that team playing as a team. You cannot fault them for that. You know, the the total is greater than the sum of the parts, isn't it? Yes. At Burnley, and and that's down to him. But Wolves have got too many good players. All right. They should win. Uh, some news that just came uh, to our attention today as we're recording this is that uh, Jaden Sancho has signed a new contract at Borussia Dortmund. Yeah. hundred. Well, they're saying 190,000 per week pounds, uh, which includes bonuses yeah. and all that kind of yeah. thing. So... Uh, 160,000. 160 is his basic. Yeah, yeah his basic. <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly a zero-hour contract, is it? However, that sort of sends a signal out to clubs like Manchester United, who were very quite desperate to sign him, and quite rightly so, yeah. the England winger. Does that mean he's actually staying, or is that is that a little bit of a boosting his price? Or is um, that a genuine thing, do you think? It, it's, a, it's a no-lose decision, isn't it, from Borussia Dortmund? It means that if, they, if someone does come in for him, the price is going to be enormous because of the contract mm. he's on. And they have a happy player. Yeah, so I mean, he's he's one of those players that hasn't again, you know, like Gareth Bale in a sense, hasn't come out and made any statement. Nope. About, he's had he's a very young lad. He's had a lot of interest and a lot of big price put on his head. Mm-hmm. He's had you know United up for him and all the other teams, of course. And he's just kept his head down and kept quiet and done his job. Yeah, but um, isn't it? I mean, a fantastic story for him. You know, this this young lad from the you know working class down in South London. Goes up to Manchester City, thinks, well, I'm not getting a shout here, so I'll go somewhere else. Went to Germany, went to a foreign country, first time he's ever yeah, done it. Young, very young. Uh, lad. And and made himself a success. It's a fantastic story. Yeah, yeah, all power to him uh, and good luck to him as well. Uh, and congratulations on your new contract, yeah. fella. Well yeah. done. You're talking of uh, South London there. That, that brings us kind of in a very uh, contrived way. Back to your quiz question. Let's oh, have right. the answer. Uh, the question first, obviously. Okay, the, the, the question was that regarding football and, and football cities in Europe, London is unique. And it is unique because there is no professional football club with London in its name. That's absolutely right, yeah. Because you've got Tottenham and Arsenal, but none of them are called... London, London Arsenal or no. anything like that. I mean, obviously, all the other I mean, Paris, Saint every Germain. other every other capital city has a has a team professional yeah, team with their name in it. Roma, London doesn't have it. Yeah. Wow, 
we defy you to find uh, a European uh, capital that doesn't have a team named after after the the name of the capital. Yeah, Moscow Dynamo. So that's done. I'd, I'd be interested if there was one because I haven't found one. We but. haven't come across one. So there you are. London is unique in European football because there isn't a, a professional football t- club with the name London in its name. Yes. All right, that's all we've got time for. A big thank you to West Ham Jeff Saunders. You're very welcome. Big shout out to uh, Steve Kenners Kenton, who will be joining us very shortly. And a big, big thank you to 93.6 Global Radio, big uh, local station here on the Costa del Sol, for helping us out, giving us place to record, and uh, generally, generally being just very good guys. Thank you to 93.6 Global Radio. Thank you to Stuart Hill Exclusive Wine, stuarthilluk.com. And to Taxi Point, I'm Chris Cole. Join us for Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar next time. You've been listening to Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar. Join us again next week for more of their twisted football news, all of their weird football views. You can find them here every week on Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar. We'll see you again shortly.